A game of rugby takes 80 minutes. That's 4,800 seconds. But it only takes one to win a scrum, to steal a line out, make a break and score a try. One second for a hero to become a legend, for one team to become champions. And it's their line-out that creates the opportunities to score their tries, and that's exactly what happened. He goes wide, and he finds a winger. Oiderman, he's faster than a bald man's haircut. Oiderman, and he gets the try. What a heartbreaker. Welcome to MLR Kickoff, episode 91, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Well, welcome, rugby fans, episode 91. Well, we were actually just chatting today. We get closer to episode 100. That's going to be a spectacular show, but let's get through this one and the next eight after it first. Dan Power with you, joined as always by the professor, the smartest man in rugby around the globe, Pete Steinberg. Pete, thanks for joining us. How you doing, buddy? What's new in your world? Dan, I, I'm pretty certain I'm not the smartest guy in rugby around the Between world. Between you and Squidge, the only two guys I know who are smart about rugby. So that guy, one of the that two. guy, you know, I actually went back and watched a couple of Squidge rugby. I'm not sure it popped up on my like timeline or something. And I went back and you know, he he's done a whole like retrospective on um how South Africa won the World Cup. It's it's impressive. The guy, the guy knows the guy knows his rugby. That's, yeah, uh, I think that, that was the one that got him the shout-out from Rassi Erasmus. Uh, yeah. said, this guy's actually really smart and he's a good watch. And So so, so when Gary Gold um, gives me a shout-out, like on, yeah. on, on one of his interviews, then I'll know I'm a smarter squidge. I like it. Now you just need to find a World Cup-winning moment for Gary Gold and the Eagles, and then you can break it down. This is how it happened. You know, this is how we beat England at Twickenham and, and we beat... Uh, with Ireland, we're Ireland, England, right? We got Wales. No, we're Ireland, England. We're Ireland, we're Ireland England. Yeah, Canada yeah. has uh, has Wales, I think. Yes, yes, yes. How was your weekend, though? Let's let's catch it. Did you um, recovered from your fiftieth birthday? Which was I, I did. Before? I recovered from my fiftieth birthday. Um, yeah, the fifties are, are, are rocking, rocking and rolling. I am. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. The, the weekend weekend was good. Um, I was really happy. I was able, you know, um, on Saturday. Uh, there was gymnastic gymnastics on. My wife's a huge gymnastics fan. In fact, for the Olympics last year, um, she was going to go because she worked for USA Rugby and High Performance. She was going to go, but she was actually going to go to the gymnastics meet and not the rugby games while she was in Tokyo. So she isn't going to go this year, but, but she was watching the rugby. And so I ended up having my iPad and my, um, and my laptop up um watching the saturday game so that was that was great sunday my wife had um uh um i think i think the game was at two my time which is perfect the kids are sleeping yep. i was able to catch most of that um and then uh um yvonne had um softball which was great so i got the kids down early and then was able to watch that last game so i was able to watch almost all, all the games um the one game I, I i didn't watch was the one on wednesday night which was austin la but um, I, I caught that game up um, last week. 
Yeah, it was, it was a long. It was a long week, right? Wednesday. It was Sunday, a long week. But yeah, yeah. That was, was that was the first game of, uh, of week ten. Well, I got to actually go in person for the first time this year. So I was on the ground in New York. Uh, MLR did an amazing job of making sure we had a safe working place. Everything was, uh, you know, COVID protocols were in place. We were all safe, and it, it was really well put together. But boy, oh boy, was it good to be actually. Yeah, able to look out and see rugby right there it was so cool. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, you know, we're, we're we're currently calling all the games right from from studios either in Austin or Indianapolis, and and that's just you know part of the COVID deal, but also probably the future. Like we've seen this in a lot of sports where people are calling games. It's called remote, right? Um, and uh, you know, as as an analyst, it's really hard because I don't watch the ball that much. Like I'm normally looking at something else. And if you're yeah. looking at a screen and, and, and it's some sort of close up, I can't see what's going on. So, um, you know, and then there's all the stuff, all, all the fun stuff you get where you get to meet the coaches and the players and, and those connections. I'm, I'm really missing that this year. It's one of those things that is making, you know, I really enjoy the games that I get to do, um, but it's just not the same. Just as Yeah. They're going to figure it out. I, I think I read something the other day where over 60% of the events at uh, 2016 in Rio were done in a studio they weren't yeah. on site in rio de janeiro so it's definitely something that's been around for a while and it will be something that continues well uh as always tonight's little intro and banter was brought to you by shopmlr.com powered by the rugby shop and pete it's a it's a big weekend memorial day weekend and so we've got a lot going on both in uh major league rugby but also the rugby shop have some stuff going on too that's right because this weekend is um military appreciation um, with Major League Rugby. And if you go to Shop MLR, you'll see that they have a uh, Salute the Troops collection. So they've got a bunch of pretty cool um, uh, um, outfits for all the teams that have you know some sort of military theme. So get onto Shop MLR and uh, um, grab something that's probably pretty cool and pretty unique because I don't think these are going to be out for that long. So yeah. it's always good to have that. You, you know, when you're wearing the kit of, of your team that you support, you want to wear the kit that no one else has. Yeah. Right, or there aren't many like, like you know, you could wear the jersey that everyone has, but if you could get like the hoodie, which is the military appreciation weekend hoodie, I mean, there's not going to be many of those. So get on the shop MLR and grab one of those guys, absolutely. And of course, that coincides with the, a partnership with Dash Auctions that Major League Rugby has formed. Uh, they'll be auctioning off a game worn jersey for Memorial Weekend matches as part of, as Pete mentioned, the military appreciation campaign for May. Uh, some cool kits, and you get to get one that a uh, player is worn. So I'll be, uh, I'll be all over that. Uh, uh, well, Windsor. I mean, I mean, like, the, like Sam wins a game worn jersey. No, 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 sleep no, with no. It. no, 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 no. It's got to be the Gil Gurneys. Who's whose jersey would you take off the Gil Gurneys then? Right now, Connor Mooneyham, massive. Yeah, man yeah, yeah. Connor Mooneyham on That's the money right. man. Love him, love him. Uh, Good call. They missed him. They missed him Wednesday night. They could have used the really magic. So Wednesday night. We'll we'll talk about that when we get to the professor's breakdown. Yeah. Well, let's let's go. That that is going to be you get about. Oh God. Spoiler. That's that's our hook to keep people in. We usually turn off the show just, after our ridiculous opens. Just a shout out to Paladin because I'm looking at the the jerseys that the teams are wearing this weekend, and 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 there's some these are these are pretty cool jerseys. I'm like. Like Paladin does a great job with with their jerseys, but but to come up with something special, every team has has a, a special jersey they're wearing this weekend, and they all have um, yeah. you know some military theme, and some of the stuff there is pretty cool. 
the madman, Matt Walsh, we had him on the show coming up with these designs. I hear he gets himself into a sensory deprivation tank, puts on some Pink Floyd and just lays down. The ideas just come into his head. Boom. Just creates them. Way to go, Walsh. We love you, buddy. All right, let's get into the review of the weekend's game. We kicked off with a bang down in the Big Easy as Nola. What a game that was. 29-24 over Utah. Scoreline's close. Really like Nola in this game, Pete. Felt they played the better of the two teams. Utah, a good chance here to go on the road and make a statement and take outright second on the West Coast. Couldn't do it, but I walk away super impressed with Nola. And we will talk a little Eagles later in the show. I think there'll be a couple of names we'll talk about who actually played themselves into the 41 during this game. Well, this was a really interesting game. So, you know, I was on Super Brew and I was... um, you know, if you, if you said, let, let's look at who's playing well, you would be like, it's going to be Utah. And I'm, I'm there and I'm about to click Utah. And I'm like, you know what? Every week there's at least one game that's an upset. And I think this is the game. So it's lucky I did this. I didn't do very well. Was We'll hear from Stats Boy later. But I, I was like, mm-hmm. no, no, I think this is going to be close, but I think it's going to be Nola. And, and, and it was. And there's a couple of things that's kind of like striking to me about Nola. I mean, they're on their fifth fly half. We've talked about this before. They've got huge amounts of injuries. This is not the Nola of the first two years of MLR. This is probably not the Nola that Nate Osborne really imagined he would have. This is a grind it out Nola team, right? So they had more carries than Utah, but they only had two line breaks and Utah had six line breaks. And what Nola did, which is what they have to do to win these games, is they held on to the ball. They only had eight turnovers, and um, and Utah had 15. Um, you know, uh, Nola had a bit of a problem on the penalty count. It was 14 to eight, but, man, Cam Dolan, he had a great game in the lineout. Utah have had some issues with their lineout the last few weeks, but they had, you know, two or three lineouts that if they'd won those cleaning, you would think they were probably going to score a try, but... Cam Dolan, like the, the experience to get up there, he would he did a great job of disrupting how they played. He sure did. Now, oh, they scored one of their tries from the one at two. O'Toole just ran off the top of poor Hagen Schulte. Uh, he got one turned over earlier in the game as well, off the back of the line out. So O'Toole looking good there. I'm sure uh, Houston a little uh, upset to see their hooker stocks quite low, but and Pat O'Toole doing well for Nola. All right, moving on, mate. DC, speaking of Houston, DC over Houston, 21-13. Super tough conditions, this one. Uh, watching this one um, on Saturday night, the rain was coming down. It's hot, humid, sticky, windy, rainy. Yeah, tough game. And, and the scoreline kind of indicates that both sides uh, definitely you know, were affected by the conditions. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a great game. 20 total scrums, Dan. That's a that's a lot of scrums in a game. Um, you know, Houston, I, I don't think they have the balance. You know, we talked about back row balance last last week, and I think that, you know, um, I don't think Houston have that balance. Uh, you know, I, um, DC, a little bit more explosive, right? We're able to take those opportunities. Houston just don't seem to be able to un- unlock the defense. Um, when they've got the ball, they struggled a bit in the set piece, which is kind of surprising for Houston, but there's been a little bit of that. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't think either team walks away from this saying that they, you know, did, um, that, that they played well, but this is a gutsy win by, um, by DC and, and they were able to put it out. And I just want to, I want to point something out. So, you know, you've got Diego, um, Magno coming in and he's often an eight and he's been playing at seven, Dan. And if you look at 
um, attack ruck arrivals, right? You've got um, Cecil Garber at six. He has 16. You have um, Adrian Boyson at eight. He has 21. And Diego Magno has nine from the number seven position. Like, like there just isn't balance there, right? You Like the seven is going to be the first person at the, at the breakdown most of the time. I think that's affecting their ability to play a little bit with some with some speed. You know, they've been, the back line's been a little bit all over the place. I know they've had a few yeah. injuries. You know, Houston, you know, I think I picked Houston in this game because I felt like, you know, that like this, this could be their breakthrough game, right? They've played well. But they actually kind of like they they went. Uh, I think this, this was a step back for Houston, and I think it was a gutsy performance by DC. Yeah, I agree with everything you say there, and it's uh, injury bug has bitten Houston pretty hard this year. But you know what? It's it's part of a contact sport, professional sport. You got to work through it, and next man up, so to speak. All right, moving on to Sunday, New England on the road against New York. We talked about this. One of the great sports rivalries is New York and Boston. And uh, this was a, a reasonably decent game between these two guys sides to start their own you know, chapter of that rivalry. It was no Mario Manningham down the sideline from Eli Manning, but it was a decent game. And New York definitely looked uh, the much more uh, polished side in this one. And they run out winners 29-19. Yeah. And, and um, you know, uh, um, big round of applause for Harry Bennett. Right. You know, it's been on, on the bench, you know, for the last few years on MLR, stepped up and I thought he played really well, controlled the game. We always know he has a big foot, but actually, like they look pretty good with him at 10. And and you know, I I I picked the I picked the free jacks primarily because I felt like, you know, we, well, we didn't know, but I thought Harry Bennett really, really stepped up. I think the you know, you, you know, New York lost Nick Savella early mm-hmm. in in you know in that first half and kept going right and i thought that was um i thought i thought that was was really interesting um you know every coach that i talk to talks about how good new england is and 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 they certainly are but they as often their own worst enemies right so 15 penalties that they had um they had very very good set piece but really struggled to um you know create any really good continuity weren't able to be able to play the, the game in the right part of the field and then when they were they just weren't efficient enough in being able to get over the line yeah i knew i actually took a long time after this game because i i like new england like i have a lot of time for brian martin as a coach tom kindly that whole crew up there their players have got a great like joe johnston justin johnson that back row a lot of time i think they're a great team I'm just like, what is the piece of the puzzle that's missing for New England here? And I, I kind of ponder on it late Sunday night and may have had a Guinness or two to help me ponder, but I think they're missing an experienced person at 9, 10, 12 because it's three young guys and three guys who aren't from what I can gather, big communicators. And I feel like they get a little lost on phase play is what I'm kind of noticing. Okay. John Poland, great nine, tough player. Harrison Boyle, young developing 10 but neither one we had john on the show like we've spoken to john quiet guy like he's a pretty reserved guy andy ellis on the other hand on the opposite side great communicator talker like everything kind of flows off what andy says and that made harry bennett's job super easy um yeah i echo you harry bennett was outstanding and it's great to see a guy get an opportunity and just 
exceed the expectations that was placed on him for that game. So well done, Benno. We love you, buddy. Um, but yeah, and then, uh, you know, uh, Morris Lommy, lucky in, at 12 there. I, I don't know him as well, so I'm not sure if he's the, the communicator in the bunch, but I feel like they get lost. Like they lose their direction sometimes where you need a strong, whether it be a 10 or a 12, your Gitto, you know, or, or Meeks or the, how LA have. Uh, if you go to the other ones, it's Mike Teo, Hagen Schulte, do it at Utah. We can have other examples. I don't think they have that player. I think they get a little little lost when when you know things go a little awry, get get off plan because they look good at set piece, they look good here, there, and they're well coached, skill levels high. But yeah, I don't know how to fix that. I don't know if they've got time to they just uh some of some of Vondro, the the Fijian fly half is there. Right. So again, love watching Fijians play, but they're not known as like over the top great communicators, more, you know, freestyling, free flowing rugby players. So exception could be there. So we're not sure. All right, let's move on because we've got to we've got to get to the professor's breakdown here. Uh, Seattle, they go down twenty five to six against ATL. ATL top of the East and looking really good. I love the defensive effort from ATL here. This was uh, semi final style defense, like finals defense. They just looked tough, gritty, unrelenting. Even when they could have clocked off late when they had the game in hand, they didn't, and they kept you know Seattle pretty modest at six points. Yeah, I mean, I I thought that um, this was one of the best performances um, in uh, in the season, right? For um, any team, I thought ATL played really well. It's a long way to go. They had a tough game the week before. Um, their tackle rate was ninety one percent, so did really well. But it was really to me on on attack. I think they may have found the lineup right that they want. So they've got um, you know Kalsa at 10 who had three line breaks right so he's mm. he's dynamic um as Kura that was playing 10 is now playing 12 that puts you a playmaker then that puts you O'Keefe who's been a real star on the outside at 13 and I think that's really been good for them to be able to kind of um like create some of those you know they had eight line breaks um they played quick they got over the game lines you know seven they made the game line 75 percent of the time I mean I think Seattle's defense really really wasn't wasn't that that great um so i thought it was it was a really a really good performance by atl and, and you're right you know and people you, you know we, we talked about this last year i love the way scott lawrence run, runs his defense that's the way i would coach a defense um i think it puts a huge amount of pressure it requires discipline work rate great technique and i think the atl are, are getting there i thought it was interesting like lots of rotations here like jason down on the bench and ross deacon start deacon's been coming yep. off the bench so you can see them um making some changes the other thing i would say that i thought was um is is, is really um interesting is that when you know they have um manasa saulo as their tight head on the bench right and he doesn't come on normally for more than like 20 minutes a big fijian guy but mm -hmm. you know once he's on the other team isn't going to win a scrum right that's kind of like how it works and so it puts huge amounts of pressure on the opposition so like you know atr if they're up they're like we're just going to put this guy in we'll probably get a couple of scrum penalties we'll, we'll put 10 you know won't give him a, a real platform and you know you've got to be ahead of atlanta going into those last 20 minutes so really really interesting i thought it was also good you know um seeing um uh duncan van Schulkwick come on and play nine so mm -hmm. remember he started at 10 in the season so i thought i thought that was really interesting on the seattle side great to see brad tucker coming back 
Um, and, you know, I thought playing really well ended up having a little bit yeah, second game in a row that he's played off the bench, right? So he, start, he started against Old Glory, but he's gonna, he's on a managed minute oh, clock right now yeah, as he works minutes. his way back. Yep. And, and I thought that they had um, JP Aguero at 15 um, for Seattle. He looks, I mean, we know he's a exciting player, especially with the ball. Look like something that could be uh, um, really good moving forward. Just needs more time there. Yep, yep. I, I forgot to ask you on all the games. What were the turnovers? Oh yeah, my mad scientist. Everyone made fun of me last week because of it, but I, I, I can go check it. I can go check um, it. Myself. All right, well, no. So, so like we can. I, I can. I, I think I, I still have all my stats up. I could probably do this pretty quickly. So, um, yeah, turnovers. More turnovers for Seattle. So Seattle lost. Um, let me let me let me quickly pull this up. Um, and I'm, I'm I'm roughly doing this in my head per carry, right? Um, so rugby New York had um, oh it's pretty close, but they're probably yeah they're just under maybe by a turnover or two per carry um, or like a fraction of a turnover. So New New England did have more turnovers. So, so that one worked. Um, Houston. Uh, Come on. Yeah, here we go, Houston. Houston um, Houston had more turnovers than Old Glory. Come on. So, Come on, Nola, Utah. Oh, I don't think I, Nola had very few turnovers in this game. Like like they had, they had they had eight or something very few yeah Nola had eight yep yep so you are four for four on the turnovers per carry one more game yes there you go coaches stop turning the ball over simple game yes all right so- let's go into the professor's breakdown don't talk turnovers until you're done breaking it down I want this to the very end LA seventeen Austin three Wednesday night in Austin LA good win against the uh, the brothers. Cousins, brothers, I'm not sure what, what the I'm relationship sure, is, but um, let's hear it. Let's hear it, Professor. Break so, this one down yeah. for us. You know, so so lots of interesting things about this. So uh, what I want to do is actually on this breakdown is I really want to talk about the Gilgronies and how the Gilgronies probably have had the right approach to build, to, to, to beat LA, right? And in the first 20 minutes of the game, they, they played in the right part of the field and they held on to the ball and they had phase after phase after phase. Now, the reason that they were able to hold on to the ball so well was that they are very direct, right? They don't have a lot of steppers. They're not running angles. Everyone's going forward. Everyone's keeping their hips square. That allows the support to come in and support the ball. So they can have lots and lots and lots of rucks, right? And you saw that in that first 20 minutes where they had the ball and they would go rock after rock after rock after rock. But in the whole game, they only had one line break. So that's the downside. The 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 um, you know risk averse attack, right, allows you to hold on to the ball and then you wear down the opposition. The challenge is that it doesn't give you a lot of opportunities. And this is where I think they missed like players like Connie Munahan, right? So so Connor Munahan is that little spark, right? That's that guy mm-hmm. on the wing who gets the ball can make something happen. Austin need a couple of those guys because their system generally won't do that. And I thought it was really interesting. And it was kind of a turning point in the game. There was about the 20 minute mark and um, uh, there, there'd been a turnover and Harrison got out of box kick. Right. And so he yeah. cleared the lines and Mason Mack was, was back 
Um, he caught the ball in between the 10 and the 22 in his half, right? Will McGee was back there. And there was one chaser, right? I think it was DTH, right? One chaser was coming up. And so Mac Mason, one pass, and they would have kept the ball and they would have got back into, um, uh, into the Giltini's half and they could have gone back into their play. But instead of doing that, Matt Mason kicked. And it was from that possession that um, the Giltini scored their try. Now, it took them yeah. a long time to get that because the Gilgronis have a, uh, um, a very good defense. But the Giltinis, you know, really did a great job. They, they had four penalties in the game. They, they um, you know, they, they missed six tackles, Dan. They made 146 tackles and they missed six. Wow. Like that, a nice Like this, it's like I've, crazy. I've said, the thing that separates the Giltinis is they are the best tackling team in the league, and it's not even close, right? What 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 um, Austin were not able to do, which is what you have to do, which is what New York did when they when they built the Giltinis, is you need an edge in the set piece. So if you remember um, when New York built at BLA, what they did was that they were able to attack their five man line out. Mm -hmm. And they were able to, to steal about four of their balls, I think it was. Um, that didn't happen here. 100% um, scrum win by LA, 90% um, line out win. They were very, very strong in the set piece. Um, and I think that, um, you know, they, they won all their scrums. They completed 80% of it. You know, that they, they, they basically lost, you know, what I'm looking here, two line outs um, out of 17. I mean, it was just so... So the Giltinis have the um, phase play on defense and they have the phase play on attack to wear down LA, but they needed the edge in the set piece and they just didn't do that. And LA, I mean, first of all, I mean, you know, great referee, JP Doyle, you heard him talking to the players, right? Talking them out of penalties, 13 penalties in the whole game. I mean, that's it's yeah. like crazy. So, so LA listened to the referee this week. And they only gave away four penalties. And again, that prevented Austin from being able to create those attacking platforms in LA's half where they could get through their phase, um, get into their phased attack. And that's why the Giltinis actually had 55% territory and 50% possession was really around, around those, those, those penalties. So, you know, I, I, the, the Gilgronis are a couple of tries, obviously a couple of tries away from being able to, to compete um but you know if they can take it to the set piece a little bit more you know i was kind yeah. of surprised that the uh the scrum i mean i know paddy ryan came off early right i know that they've had some problems in in, in the second row but if they um you know i, I think the uh, a little bit more pressure on the scrum and the line out i think that um you know the the, the gilgronies would have definitely been been in this but la showed that they've got that toughness to be able to pull it out yeah, it was a super impressive performance by LA, and you got to give some credit to Austin too for defending with you know, LA having that much possession and territory. Usually they're in the 40s for their points. So good game all around. Great breakdown. All right, let's get to our player of the week now and uh, another great week of performances. This was a tough one to choose, and it's an exciting one because uh, it's the second time this guy's joined us in the last two years. So Let's not stand on ceremony and welcome him in, Jason Robertson from Old Glory DC. Yeah, it's a new feature they've got, Aaron. It's pretty cool. All right, we are joined now by Player of the Week for Round 10 
Jason Robertson, the fly half from Old Glory, back for another one. Uh, I believe it was the last player of the week in 2020, Robbo, and then you shut the season down. You played so well that it was like climbing Everest. Uh, everyone was like, we can't get any better than that, so let's can it up. And But you're back again, player of the week. How you how you feeling about the season so far, mate? Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me, Dan. Appreciate, uh, appreciate having me back. It's been awesome. Um, this year, I don't know, we've, uh, we started off pretty slowly. We've had some some injuries, some suspensions, a bit of a false COVID scare, but no, we're slowly building. Um, put two wins in a row, back-to-back wins. So, yeah, we're slowly building, getting a few boys back, and um, hopefully can make a good push for the playoffs in the last, the back end of the season. Yeah, you, you mentioned getting healthy at the right time of the year. You definitely are. You yourself went through a little bit of an injury run early in the year with your thumb, uh, had some surgery, got that fixed up. How's that feeling? How's uh, the games back? And I think, was it three games back you've had? since the surgery. So how, how's the thumb feeling? Everything good? Yeah, it's good. Uh, obviously, first five minutes of the first game wasn't wasn't too flash, but uh, I've had some of the best mid, uh, mid-staff here in the country. So it's been really, really, really good. Uh, I think I've had five games back now, actually. It's been, been pretty yeah. quick. But um, yeah, I've been playing through a bit of pain. But yeah, back at 100% now, I think. So, and yeah, I guess, I guess the form's kind of starting to head that way as well. So it's pretty pleasing. So the... Uh, um... The East is pretty crazy. Like you can't really predict who's going to win each game. When when you look back, which which game so far have you been most proud of for um, Old Glory, and and which game do you feel like was the one that got away? Most proud of. Um, definitely proud of our first performance down in Nola. I know last year we went down there for our first day of the game. We got touched up pretty pretty badly, and uh, we had a. I know we didn't come away with the win, but. We drew, but it was pretty pleasing to start off a little better than last year. Um, and saying that we had a few good wins since then, which has been pleasing. Um, the one on the weekend showed a bit of character, away from home in the wet. Uh, the one that got away was definitely that Utah one. Um, we thought we played well enough to win. Just the way it ended, it was quite, you know, it was heartbreaking. We had some boys in tears after a long two weeks away from home. Yeah, that one really hit home. But could, would have been nice to get the extra two points there, two or three points. But yeah, no. But, but you rebounded the following week, right? And you uh, um, and and you 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 uh, um, beat beat Seattle, so you were able able to come back from that. So, talk a little bit about sort of the growth that you've seen in the team and and what you think um, Old Glory needs to do to be one of the more consistent teams in the second half of the season and and, and grab one of those top two spots. Yeah, we've had a lot of growth, and obviously we've had so many different combinations between boys playing different positions, out of positions. We've seen lots of growth in our boys' skill set from shifting from the wing to the midfield, which has been new for some people, from loose forward to lock, from prop to hooker. So we've had lots of growth in boys learning different new roles. And uh, it's been pretty pleasing to see, especially some of the new college kids. Shout out to Sam Cassano from Cal Berkeley. He's yeah. we've come a long way in, you know, in eight weeks. Unfortunately, shoulder injury at training. But he's, he's a good, good kid who's come from a good background and so pleasing to see him grow. Um, to see us go a little bit further, I think we need to be just more ruthless. I think we're leaving teams off the hook. You know, we're creating some good opportunities to score. We just, we're not quite ruthless enough in that in that red zone. Um, if we start piling some points on teams, um, I think we'll be heading in the right direction. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of teams that are struggling over the last five metres, right? Doing really well, getting getting down close to the, to the line, but struggling to get over. And, and the team that's going to solve that first is probably going to be the one that's going to end up at the uh, the top of the league. Absolutely, absolutely. 
as you can see, LA did that week in, week out. And, uh, yeah. and LA, LA aren't that often within five meters, except in their line out. They're normally scoring from like 35, 40 meters, but, but, but they're explosive. Right. And so their ability yeah. to be exposed. I actually think you guys are pretty explosive. Like you're one of the more exciting teams in broken play, like mm. in counterattacks. I mean, you guys, you guys have some, some guys that can play in that space. Um, LA are just able to create that space through phase play, which is pretty special. Yeah, we've got some boys that can, like you said, in counter-attack, broken play, always really good at playing what's in front of us, um, whether that's just growing up as a kid, knowing what to do in those spaces. But yeah, someone like Renata, obviously Nana, he's been on fire for us this season. Um, him and Danny Tusitala have been really, in those transition zones, been really, really, really good for us. Hey, obviously, some uh, bittersweet news today. You get three guys named in Gary Gold's Eagle squad. Um, Mike the Bull is probably the, the biggest shock for most people, but I know he's very uh, well-liked and well-high-regarded inside your camp. Mikey Saseni-Fungai and then uh, Jamison Farner schultz get picked. Obviously, you're pumped for your teammates to make it, but now you have the job of filling those three roles. Uh, has there been much discussion since the team, team was announced within the camp of how that's going to look for Old Glory moving forward? Um, nothing as of yet. Obviously, really proud of the boys, and you always want to represent the country, so that's awesome news for them. Uh, I guess it's going to be the same for every team. Obviously, some teams hit harder than others. I know Toronto might be hit quite hard with the Canadian squad. Uh, New York a little bit. They've got quite a few Eagles in their forward pack. Uh, Nola as well. Um, I know depth is going to be depth is going to be tested. Um, hopefully, we're good enough to be able to come through those games. Um, I do think it's a little bit silly having international window coming right into the business end of the season. Obviously, it's unfortunate with the the way that COVID's affected the start of the MLR season, but it's obviously you want to play for your country and that comes first. So, yeah, obviously, congrats to the boys for that. Yeah. All right. That's, uh, yeah, I think everyone kind of feels the same way. I was chatting uh, to some of the New York guys who are heavily represented as well on the weekend. It was kind of the same thing. It was like, well, it is what it is. Yeah. Can't control it, so let's just move forward. I, mean, I think every, every every year MLR has had a, an international window, right? It was just the ARC early on in the season, right? And that's a little bit easier to bounce back. Now you've got teams that are kind of clawing for playoff spots that might lose um, key players. But it looks like there's been some pretty good um, distribution of players across the team. So I think I think you're you're right. Um, in, in terms of the uh, um, Jason, in terms of like the like everyone's going to suffer somewhat, and it's about whoever fills those those holes the best. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're going to go right to the depth of our squad for that, and it'll be a good chance for boys to push their case for you know a starting spot when those boys come back. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's talk about your game on the weekend. You're on the show for Player of the Week. Um, tough road trip. Houston, obviously not doing great in terms of the table, but quite a tough side. I know the physicality is always there. They've got a big forward pack. Conditions probably actually suited the way they play. Uh, you went down there and got a really good win on a, on a Saturday night in Houston. How was the week leading up to it? Two in a row, like you said. How was the build-up for Houston? What was the talk like from Dougie and, and the boys in camp? And then just your thoughts on the match as well. Yeah, I guess during the week, we hadn't put a back-to-back when we hadn't put back-to-back wins together yet this year. So after we beat Seattle, you know, we weren't getting ahead of ourselves. We needed to back it up this week against Houston and start to, I guess, walk the talk. We knew how tough Houston were going to be down there. We played them down there last year and they gave us a, a hell of a fight. It was going to be no different this year. There was a, a tough, awkward team to play at home down there. Um, 
And then as soon as we saw the weather coming in, kind of changed a little bit. <laughs> we didn't expect to take our snorkels down to Texas, but <laughs> we got the job down in the end. Um, but yeah, like it was just a, a really a performance that kind of showed our character. Um, we, had a, we had a pretty awful warm up into the game and we had a bit of a, a serve from Callum Gibbons, but it's kind of what we needed heading into the game, a kind of an attitude switch, which kind of it, it definitely works because our, our forwards later an unreal set uh, platform for us. Our scrum was unbelievable. Alani, our, our mall was really, really good, which made us game drive, our game driver's job a hell of a lot easier. Um, yeah, luckily we got the job done in the end. Yeah, good win. Now let's let's move forward to this week. You play New York. It's always great to get a win on the road. Western Conference team, so probably doesn't have as much of a bearing on the standings outside your team. This time you run into New York at home, Eastern Conference showdown. What are you expecting from New York? Uh, the kitchen sink is always um, good little rivalry we're building with New York. Um, we played, played them about five weeks ago. Yeah, it was my first game back from injury, and uh, they yeah. were a really tough opposition. Um, again, like really, really good forward pack, really good game drivers, and some actually exciting backs. Um, so that across the board, they're pretty solid. We're going to have to be on our game this weekend, play really, really smart, play in the right areas, and again, take our chances, which we haven't quite been doing. Uh, once we build some pressure, we need to really come away with some points. Yeah, it's strong, strong Kiwi contingent up there too with New York. Any of the guys you know up there, played with or against? Yeah, obviously one of my best friends, Dan Hollinson, the first five. So we grew up together, played the same club together, um, played for Bay, Bay Finney together. So really, really close with Dan. Um, the same with Fussy Fuerts, so I played a bit of rugby with him. Yeah. The centre. So yeah, good close connection there. Uh, whether or not some of those boys will be playing, not too sure, but nonetheless, they'll feel a pretty strong team. Have you started the text chat with Dan yet? It's been going all year. <laughs> you got a you got a message for him. Just want to look right down the camera and just say what you're going to do to him on Saturday if he if he has if he has the tars to actually get over the fake shoulder injury and actually play. <laughs> what are you going to do to him? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, poor are <laughs> pretty tough at the moment. But I yeah. know it was a terrible way to get hurt too. Like really, yeah, really yeah. unfortunate. I know we had a scan today, so whether that comes out good tomorrow, I'll finish for him. Yeah, you know, no, he's a good kid. Good kid. Mm, we like him good a player, lot. Yeah. You, know, you know, it's interesting, Jason, because you've got, like, New York, but then you've got a run of every Eastern Conference team, right, mm. over the next, what, five weeks? I mean, it's, it's probably going to be the run that is going to define where you guys are. So, you know, when, when you look at the other teams – I mean, you know, let's exclude New York, so I don't want to give them any bulletin board material. Outside of New York, when you, when you look at the East, who do you think is going to be up there in the top two with Old Glory? Oh, it's so hard to pick at the moment. Any, anyone could be anyone. Um, I guess for us, we just take one week at a time. Right now, we're solely focused on New York. Uh, but in saying that, got to congratulate the way Atlanta are playing. Uh, some of their defence, even on the weekend against Seattle, was really, really good. Um, yeah. Nola, again, always tough. I know they've got a lot of away games coming up, but they're always a tough outfit. So New England, I mean, they've got a lot of home games coming up. They're going to be really, really good. Again, Toronto, the same thing. Very classy outfit on their day. Um, who have I missed? No, I think I think I think you got them all. That's Everyone on the East. New York this week too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah New York. York this week. Like, I, I told him to exclude New York. Right? I know. But, I know. So, so, yeah. so, Jason, let's 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 move away from the season a little bit because I've, I've I've got a question for you. You know, this is your second year in MLR, and I know that there have been some MLR games shown back in New Zealand. 
Can you give us sort of your impression of Major League Rugby, like what you like about playing over here, what's maybe different than, than playing back home, and then what have you heard from the people back home that are following the league? Yeah, I um, mean, for me, I just love the idea of playing in America, a new league that's uh, it's growing, it's getting more and more quality players coming into the league. Um, getting to see getting to see all of America is pretty special. I mean, not many teams get to go to, players around the world get to go see LA one week, New York the next. You know, it's pretty special going and see some of those in places. In Houston, don't forget Houston, like LA and New York, and then Houston. Like, you've got yeah. you to play in some of those. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The so concrete pearl of the South, they call it. That's right. <laughs> um, I, I, just the way the game's played. I mean, the speed's there. It's, it's the game's played really, really fast. I don't think it's too far off the speed we play back home in New Zealand. Um, I guess the skill sets still needs to grow here. But again, when I came here last year, I was very pleasantly surprised. It's uh, a lot higher level than I initially thought. And again, this year it's gone up another level. So, and I know people back home in New Zealand are thinking the same thing. Uh, it's shown on Sky Sports every now and again in New Zealand, so getting a hell of a lot, hell of a lot more exposure, which is good to see. Um, yeah, and again, the same bit of message from New Zealand uh, that the level of rugby is a lot better than they think, and it's quite it's quite uh, unbelievable how many players from New Zealand want to come here now. Um, this league's only going to go from strength to strength, so it's pretty exciting to be here I, this I, time. I have to say that there have got to be some old boys in New Zealand that, that look at the, the the pitches that you're playing on and being like, Football lines, football lines. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, it's like, yeah, it's a, it's, it's SoFi Stadium. They're not going to wipe off the lines for rugby, yeah. right? Like, there's some, there's some hierarchy over here. Yeah, I guess that's, that's one thing that's uh, obviously, but a disparity between, you know, one week you can play at the Coliseum, the next week you play at Cochrane Stadium in New York. It's a little bit, yeah, hit and miss. But um, obviously, that's just uh, still the early footsteps of the league that's taken. Um, That'll come. I guess venues will come. It's pretty exciting. See if you get to play at the Coliseum. That was something special. I know everyone back home in New Zealand across the world think that's that's awesome. And uh, it's definitely on my one of the highest things on my bucket list that I've done. So that was pretty special. Yeah, it's and you know it's part of the journey too. Like the experience of playing at a place like Cochrane Stadium. Uh, yeah. I was there this weekend. It's like you're right across from one of the greatest cities on on earth. You know, New York City. And sure, you've got to go out into the the field and play and. It's not fun, you know, the getting especially landing on that stuff, but it's experience, right? You in 10, 15 years' time, Robert, you're gonna be like talking to your mates about the time you played at Cochrane Stadium. And so it's pretty Absolutely. cool. Yeah. All right, let's talk talk a little bit of more uh, lighthearted stuff here. You're you're a keen golfer. So I want mm. you to build for me your MLR foursome. And you can't pick any other teammates from old glory. So you're the captain of the team. Pick another three players to play again. I uh, play with. So we'll play a little Ryder Cup action. Uh, I don't actually know who else is too, uh, that keen of golfers. Um, I'd say plenty of the Aussie boys at LA would be golfers, wouldn't they? Uh, I don't know. They're probably too busy counting their beans to be playing golf. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, uh, I, I definitely chuck Matt Ghetto in there. Obviously, a childhood hero of mine. Uh, yeah. oh, so this is great. So you're going you're gonna to create the foursome, not based around how good they are, but who you want to spend four hours hanging out with. I think that's four a better hours. choice. I'm not a golfer. Four hours? Where are you playing at? That's how I choose the foursome. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll definitely check, check Matt in there. Um, <laughs> well, my good mate up in New England, Joe Johnson, played a bit of golf with him back home in New Zealand. He's always fun to have a hit around with. Um, and the last one, uh, 
Uh, so Sam Windsor in there, now from Houston. A good, good match up with him on the weekend, so yeah. Good golfer. I played against Sam and I tried to get into his head, Rob. I tried to start a little sledging, just started playing better and better. So I'm like, I'm just going to shut up. And <laughs> he got in his own head when I was quiet. And then we ended up, we, we the rain saved him. I think it's a bit unfair to, to ask, you know, um, Jason, who's from New Zealand, who the best golfers are during the COVID season. When obviously there hasn't been any mixing, they've been in the bubble. Like, you know, give him a couple of years when, when he can, you know, have a few rounds in the off season with some of the other guys. Hey, get on Instagram. Look at some of his golf stuff from New Zealand, playing some of the best courses down there. It's unreal. I'm so jealous. We were sitting over here with a couple of feet of snow on the ground and, and Jason's out there playing golf in the New Zealand summer looking good. All right, mate, let's do the uh, foot race. I don't think we did this last time when you're on. I need your gold, silver, bronze, old glory, over 100 metres, your fastest teammates. Uh, fastest teammates. Definitely first, I'd say Sam Pisano. I think they'd be, they'd be highly debated here amongst our back line, but I think he'd hold his top end for 100 metres. Uh, closely followed by Mike Davulis. Chicken's pretty rapid. Is that, yeah. um, Is that right? He's, he's he, really quick. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't... He, he comes across a, a little bit of a skill player, you know, a little bit fly half fullback, pass and kick, not necessarily a, a runner. Yeah, he's Mr. Reliable. He can play anywhere across the whole back line. And uh, he's, yeah, he's growing week in, week out. It's good to see. And he's... Yeah, be, him and Sam would be neck and neck in first oh, wow. and second. Uh, third, uh, I'm getting old, so I'm slipping off that. <laughs> off, slipping down the ladder. Um, I know Danny would hate me to say, hate me not to put him in there, but I think DeMonte Noble would be would be third. Oh, he's rapid, isn't he? He's yeah, pretty he's quick. Pretty yeah. That's interesting. Those three Americans, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, in, that's impressive. So um, Renata's not going to be mad at you either? He doesn't feel like he's got any pace. Uh, he's uh, he's changed his game up a little bit now. He's, he thinks he's a bit of a power winger. He <laughs> came he came back to the <laughs> about seventeen kgs overweight. So he's our he's our big ball carrying winger now. Not not supposed to be our our, our speed man. Well, it's working uh, for him. It's getting him over the line, right? Yeah, he's playing really well too. So proud of him. All right, good. So after after you got mowed down against Seattle, I'm glad you didn't put yourself in there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> I heard the car. Oh, it was it was Utah. That's right. But I heard your yeah. car was not not in great shape. So yeah, I'll give you a pass. We'll say that one. Eh? <laughs> yeah, a little cramp, cramping in the car. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. I, I'm t- I I almost know the answer to this one, but I'll ask it anyway. Instagram. Who's the number one Instagram follow? Like, if you had to recommend people to go and follow anyone on your team, who would it be? And who's the one to avoid? Don't follow them because their their feed is trash. Yeah, obviously Danny's our big social media guy, Danny Tusitala. He's uh, massive on TikTok as well. Look him up. He's pretty funny at some st- sometimes. I'll give him give him credit. Um, one to avoid. Oh. Say Jamie Diva. Yeah. He's uh, but, but what's his, what's... trash. Yeah, but a bit of a catfish. <laughs> is, he, is he gets the photos from ten years ago and puts yeah. it up? Yeah. All the good filters and whatnot make them look a little bit better. Sharpen up their jawline. <laughs> oh, Plenty of filters for Jamie Diva. He just keeps flicking through until he finds the right one. <laughs> yeah. All right, mate. Well, I'm a, firstly, just let me say I'm disappointed I didn't make you force him for golf. Um, we'll work on oh, it. Always welcome. Welcome, well. Always welcome. Dan, well, well, Dan, Dan, Dan's a great caddy, if that's what you mean. Always welcome. Always welcome Please. to carry the bags, Dan. 
please. I'll carry, I'll carry your bag. <laughs> I will lay down the challenge right now to MLR. There is not a player in the in the league that can beat me at golf there, especially in the next couple of months because I'm going to play a lot. So bring it on. <laughs> All right, Robo. we actually had a, a question uh, from an old Glory fan come in. So if you don't mind, yep. we're going to get this one in. Coming from uh, Alex Carlson out there. And obviously, he's one of the sharpshooters off the league, one of the best kickers in the league. What is your kicking t- a routine like through the week? And then what is your routine when you line up a kick? So what, what's your head process when you line up your kick? And then during the week, what's your kicking routine look like? Just goal kicking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, I mean, I don't kick a hell of a lot in the early part of the week. Uh, say if we play Saturday, I'll do a, a good session on, on the Thursday post-training uh, definitely a lot captain's run uh, at the venue where we're playing mm-hmm. uh, and saying that I'll do quality over quantity you know what I mean like I'll just um, yeah just making, making sure I'm getting five or six good, good kicks in um, and then come warm up on game day I'm getting at least 10, 10 goal kicks in just thinking to myself getting long through the ball obviously I don't have the longest of levers so my transition between obviously getting through the ball is real crucial for me uh, just thinking long and staying in the kick for as long as possible. Obviously, trying to keep that head down for as long as possible as well. And what about when you're kicking? Would you have like a, a thought process? So balls on the tee, how many steps back? How many to the side? What then? Uh, what's your, your mental cues you go through? Or is it is this a patented trade secret? You don't want to get out there. Some some of it's very secret. Well, yeah, it's more just staying within it within the system within the process and just just trusting it. You know, like. This can elements if it's windy or whatnot, just staying true to your your process and and yeah, go, going through with that. As soon as, as soon as you go away from that, you're asking for trouble. So staying staying true to the process and keeping the head down, not trying to keep it go. too hard. Either. Yeah, there you go. I tried. I tried, Alex. I tried to get him to give up the secrets. It's like uh, Colonel Sanders, the herbs and spices. <laughs> He's got it under lock and key. Well, brother, I appreciate you joining us this again. We'll let you uh, let you get ready for New York. Big week in Old Glory, obviously home game as well, which is always a great thing down there. Brilliant crowds. I got to say, uh, it's a great job that Old Glory has done. I'm sure you guys are appreciating the sport as well as the crowd numbers increase uh, as things get safer and safer here. And uh, hopefully, not the last chat we have with you this year, mate. You've been playing outstanding, and, and so happy to see you back in 2021. Now, cheers, Dan. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. There you go. And Pete, great to see him back from injury. Um, Old Glory, two in a row now. They haven't been playing the rugby that we saw towards the back end of last year before the season got shut down. They're a little bit of a different team, though. But I think they're starting to find their form and their identity moving forward. It's going to be a tough run. I think you mentioned that they've got a bit of a gauntlet on the East Coast now. They've got to run. So the next five weeks for Old Glory will will definitely decide their season. Yeah, I agree. I don't think they've, you know... We, we haven't seen, I think it's in the scrum. I mean, I know they've had some injuries um, in, in that forward pack. And so I think it's in the scrum. It's that platform that the forwards um, really create for Danny Tusatala and Jason Robertson. And so, you know, their scrum looks better, but I think in phase play, they're lacking a little bit of penetration. And so, um, but, but you're right. The next five weeks for them is going to be, uh, you know, it'll tell them if they, they'll have a good idea if their game's, you know, they've got a games, I, I think, against San Diego and, and I think Austin. It'll be interesting to know, you know, to work out if they're um, if those games are going to mean something in July. All right, let's go into the MLR lab with the professor, Pete Steinberg, as we talk the box kick. It was uh, 
It was his go-to weapon when he played the box kick. No one did it no. better. Pete, break it down no, no, for no, us. No, so I, 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 I was never that good a box kicker. But, I, but, but it's it's interesting because I think that, you know, there's there's like a, a groan in the crowd when you see the scrum half set up for the box kick, and you know there's 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 a couple of different reasons why teams box kick. And so one is to create a contestable kick. And so the contestable kick is much more likely to be near the halfway line or even in a, um, another um, or, or, or in the opposition half. When you're in your own, you know, probably behind your 10 or, um, you know, certainly, you know, inside your 22, you might want to kick it out. But outside of your 22, between your 22 and 10, you're not really looking to have a kick that's contestable. What you want to do is you want to create distance. But the really important part of the drop kick is there's, there's, there's two pieces that are really important. So one is the location of the catch. So what you want to do is you want to have the catch as close as you can have it next to the sideline. And what that does is it cuts down the attacking options. So in other words, it's much easier to defend someone who is close to the sideline because they've only got one way to pass, right? And you know where you can build your defensive wall from. So that, so first of all, where the ball is caught is really important. And like all kicks, but I think in particular with drop kicks, it's about the kick chase, right? And so one of the interesting things for me is that when, you know, nowadays, like unlike in my day, scrum halves can create like five forwards, like, like bound onto each other to create a little bit of a, of a distance between them and, and the block. The challenge is those five forwards now have to try and find them find their way into the um, defensive line. Now, if you do it right, and so you make the kick and you put it, you know, hopefully near the near the sideline, and you get the good kick chase. What you're really looking to do is it's really that next phase where the defense has an advantage. So, if you imagine all of the attack have had to run back, support the kicker. Right. That 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 um, uh, ball carrier has either run and been tackled. Right. Or they've passed and hopefully the person that received has been tackled. And it's very easy for the defense to set up their shape. And it's very, very difficult for the attack to set up their shape. Right. And so for, it's not necessarily that you're going to do something at that first tackle. Because at that first tackle, you probably have the back three, maybe even the scrum half or the fly half. Some, you know, you've got support for there. But when that ball comes out, you might be able to isolate the next ball carrier if you have a good launch. So when you're looking at the box kick, you want to look at, you know, where is the ball caught, right? So not whether it's contestable, but how close to the sideline is, is it? And then what's the kick chase like? And then what's the launch on the ruck after that first tackle? It's interesting. I think Dan's it's, asleep. Dan, wake up, Dan. No. <laughs> it's been interesting to see how much uh, of a weapon it because in days not too long gone, it was just basically grab and kick, and that was it. But now the nines can have such a variety of boxes they can do it. Can be whether to, like you said, territory or to get out, relieve pressure. But now it's an attacking weapon as well. So, yeah, and also on turnovers, you see a lot of lot of scrum halves. Quick, will, yeah, will, find will space. Kick. It's a slightly different kick because you want to kick the tip of the ball so it rotates. So when it lands, it rolls on, right? And so on those turnovers, the assumption is that the back three 
isn't set defensively, right? So they don't actually have a kick receipt team. And so if you can keep that low and you can keep the rotate going over, you know, you're looking to put it into the corner, let it go, you know, out of bounds and then, you know, contest on the, um, on that line out. But you're right, Dan, mm-hmm. lots of different opportunities. And it's really, really difficult. I actually think that, you know, Mike, Mike Petri, who, by the way, did a pretty remarkable job on the sideline this past weekend. Um, that guy dealing, that, dealing with my crap, yeah, he did unreal. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Despite despite the play by play guy that he had to twelve years, twelve years, I I loved it. I loved Dan the uh, the shout out that uh, Andy Ellis is a bit of an upgrade from the guy that played last yeah, year. <laughs> uh, I hope people realize that you guys are good friends. I hope people realize that. Well, yeah, we, we go we go way back. I love Peaches. He's one of those so, one so, of the yeah, genuine and, legends. And, you know, Mike, Mike's got a very good box kick. And, and you look at the scrum hubs here, and there are some guys that, that box kick really well. And there are some other guys that aren't as consistent, right? And so it's a pretty, pretty tough skill. And so there's definitely some work. I think some of the, you know, U.S. fly halves that have been selected, you know, are going to need to work on their box kick if they're going to make that USA squad. Best box kick in MLR right now, Pete. Who is it? Um, I think it's probably Goddard, I would think. Yeah, I'll go Harrison Goddard, Danny Tusitala second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Danny's like Danny's got a, um, a a good foot too, but I think I think Goddard's probably the guy that I've seen be most most um, effective with it. Uh, he's 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 impressive. All right, let's go to this weekend's matches, where they are and what time they are. We kick off on Saturday. Two games will kick off at four p.m. Eastern. Toronto at New England. That one on uh, TSN, NESN, and the Rugby Network. Everywhere else. Also, at the same time, Houston will be in San Diego, Antenna TV, AT&T Sportsnet, and the Rugby Network. Late at night, it is LA on the road at ATL, Valley Sports West in LA, WATL, uh, obviously, in Atlanta, and the Rugby Network everywhere else. Saturday, late game kicking off at nine is Austin at Utah and Fox Sports 2. Uh, and then Sunday, just the standalone game, which will be New York at DC, big East Coast game coming up, MSG up there in New York, NBC Sports Washington, and then the Rugby Network everywhere else. All right, Stats Boy, time to come in, and uh, I kept sliding. I kept sliding <laughs> this was, week. It was interesting this week. I think it was. We, we all slid. Uh, so... Uh, I would call this this guy's the king of the random MLR stats. You can find him at Jam Delay, James Dealey on Twitter. Uh, so with the two tries this weekend by Dylan Fawcett, he is the first ever Major League Rugby player to um, score 20-plus tries all time. He has now scored 21. Um, that makes him the first MLR player to reach 100 points without uh scoring from a kick although dills can kick we've seen it we should we need him to kick sticks so um and then to just i mean the other tweet about this he said any idea how nuts this is well uh faucet accounts for uh 13.31 of rooney's points all time and then 20 percent of all their tries so that's nuts one in five tries is faucet yeah uh, that is crazy. That's, that's hey, who's who's number two on all time tries? I, I uh, imagine Ryberg would be up there. I'm trying to think of guys who've played like all three years. Yeah, uh, four years, think, I guess. I got uh, is he, so he's not in the top point scores for this season. So I need to go. I would need to go back and look to to get that answer. 
but moving forward to this uh, this past weekend, uh, where it was rough for the crew, um, oh. so I, I would say performance against the field. The professor did the worst. He dropped four point four places down to thirty first, and um, where did I fall? I fell three points to seventeenth. And uh, gorgeous Dan, after a few weeks at, at in second, has dropped uh, two places to sixth. Um, it's uh, I would say picking teams in the East based on form and hoping that they they win is <laughs> is a bad uh, <laughs> is a bad uh, way of picking teams based on this weekend. Yeah. yeah, I'm like that runner from the minnow country in the 800 meters at the Olympics who just sprints, and they're like, "Oh my god!" You know, the guy from the Ivory Coast is in second place; he's going to win it. And then all of a sudden, it's like reality. Yeah, no, just, <laughs> just and then he's gone. Uh, that is me. All right, Pete, let's pick him for this weekend. Uh, we have five games to pick, so this is this is a good sample size, and uh, hopefully, we both of us can get moving in the right direction again. Toronto. At New England, New England never lost at home. Two and two, uh, two and zero. Oh, sorry, at home. Um, who do you like in this one? You know, I'm um, I'm a little bit on the Toronto bandwagon. Like they had a weekend off. They they were they you know they weren't playing well, but they were winning. I think that weekend off is going to be big for them. I know it's been just a grind for them down in Atlanta, and I know it's tough. Um, you know, I'm you know it's interesting what you talked about about leadership for for new england that's interesting i think this is going to be toronto um and and because i think it's going to be toronto i think i'm going to pick new england <laughs> i'm like i'm like it's like one of these games i'm like it's definitely gonna be, all right i'm gonna pick new england i think new england win by five so we we've talked on this show the bye right like teams haven't played well after the bye that's true it's historically it's just the way it is this could be a different trend to that because i think they needed the bye where other teams probably didn't need to take a buy, but they got the buy, and it was like yeah. Toronto needed this buy. It's also good timing, right? Like it's a yeah, better yeah. buy later on in the season. So yeah, so I'll go. I'll go Toronto. I just I don't know. I don't know what the, New New England continues to baffle me, but they'll, they're strong at home, and I think I think this might be the game that their restrictions lift, so they can get a big crowd in there. It's not this. No, it is this weekend. I'm pretty sure that the governor in Massachusetts has uh, relaxed the, the capacity laws for this weekend. So it should be a pretty decent crowd up there at Union Point. So get out there, Free Jacks fans, and enjoy that one. Houston at San Diego. Well, if Joe Peterson plays, I pick San Diego. If he doesn't, who knows? I'll go yeah, San I Diego, mean, though, for now. You know, I... Um... I, I mean, which I don't think it's which team is going to win. I feel like it's which team isn't going to lose. That's how I feel about Because even though San Diego came off a, like, you know, a, a, an upset win against Nola, I don't think they played, like, fundamentally, I don't think they played very well. I think, I think that was a real struggle for them. So, you know, I think that there's a, um, yeah. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a challenge, I think, for, um, for Houston to go out there. I'm not sure what confidence they have. San Diego have confidence there at home. Um, I think you're right. It's about Joe Peterson. I think if Joe Peterson plays, I think San Diego wins. I think Joe Peterson does play. And so I'm picking San Diego and I think it's San Diego by 10. 
Yeah, I have to say the same thing. When we'll, we'll talk a little Eagles after we go through this, but when will they be missing from the roster? Oh, good question. I think it's when do I they think, go into? Camp? I think the first game. The first game is I think July fourth. We're going. We are going minimum uh, level of call up. So that is straight from the horse's mouth uh, when he spoke to uh, general managers. So they leave. I believe, let me look exactly, uh, they leave, they are released uh, from clubs, uh, I think the 26th, the issue is the teams that have games on the 27th. Some will get them, some won't. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. So, that's they, interesting. and they, everyone is on the plane and landing in London on the 28th. Got it. So sure. yeah. So 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 the idea is that um, these players will miss the you know July fourth or the the weekend of July third and the weekend of July tenth. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. So I think we're both leaning San Diego on that one. Yeah. I think this one's the game of the round. LA at Atlanta. What are you thinking here? I like. I, I'm so excited for this game. It's like the um, you know irresistible force meets the immo- immovable object, right? You've got. Did you um, see the rugby network meme? What was the rugby network me- meme? Um, so it was uh, Adam Ashley Cooper in four different shots. It was like, hey, Atlanta, how about that losing streak or winning, winning streak? streak. Wait, yeah. uh, it would be kind of sad if it ended this weekend. <laughs> Okay. Oh, that Adam Ashley so, Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd like to point out that Aaron describing a meme <laughs> on a podcast is is like great entertainment. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> just just get um, online and look at it, people. Right. By the time this comes out, it'll be so far down the feed you won't even be able to find. It. I, I think I think the question here is I think Atlanta can can play the defense. Um, LA can play really really fast, right? And so it's going to be about the set piece. And I think if Atlanta can have the edge in the set piece, I think that's going to be. Uh, uh, like I, I haven't seen the Atlanta team have that edge that have been dominant that they would do that. So I think LA is going to win this, but I think it's going to be a relatively low scoring game. I think it's going to be close. Thanks for like 21, 18 LA. Yeah. It's just going to be great because New York obviously is fresh in everyone's mind. Still what they did. I think Atlanta can do that more effectively. It's another long road trip down to a hot, sticky Atlanta. So you're not in like LA's warm, but it's not like hot and humid and sticky like Atlanta can be in in, in late May. Is it still May? Yeah, it's still May. Oh, sorry. It's still May. I'm losing, I'm losing. This is the last weekend of May. I am good. Uh, I'll go I'll go LA as well. I think I think you are right though. I think this is tight and I think this could be one of the ones that it comes down to the that, that weekend we had a few weekends ago where like all the games were decided in the last, you know, 60 seconds. So this could be another one of those ones. All right, moving along, Austin at Utah. Uh, the battle for number two in the West, this is. Both teams sitting equal on 29 points, I believe. Uh, must must win for Austin because if they end up in a tiebreak situation, Utah beat them in Austin at the start of the year. They have to win this to, to square up and, and push that tiebreak along. Um, oh, Utah losing two in a row. If you follow their form guide, they like to lose three in a row and then they win again and ruin everyone's picks. And 
this, this could come down to a, a roster thing. I heard Austin's getting a couple more players that are they're starting to work their way in that they've signed that hadn't had visas. So um, could be interesting. Yeah, go Austin. I'm, go I'm, Austin. You're gonna go Austin. Yeah, I'll go Austin. I think I'm gonna go Utah, and I think part of the problem is, is I'm not I'm not sure how many points Austin can score, and I think Utah can Utah can score points. Um, I don't think I don't think it's going to be um, a blowout for Utah. Um, I'm a believer. I'm a believer in the Shawns. Um, I think Utah played well against um, Nola. They weren't able to pull it off. I, they've got some issues in their set piece, and I know Sean Pittman's going to be worried about that. But if if they can, you know, sort that out and have parity against Austin um, in that set piece, I think they're better around the field. Um, they also remember Dan, like they're a very good defense. They've you know, I think they're number two after Atlanta in dominant tackles, which is the stat that I look at. I, yeah. I think, I think this is going to be Utah. It's a, you know, the altitudes there. It's, it's a bit of a home field advantage for Utah. So I think, I think this can be Utah, but I think it's going to be like 26, 20. Isaac Ross versus Aston Fortane. Line out aficionados. You're going to love this battle. It's going to be great. I just want to apologize to both the Sean's. I think uh, I went and said that, you know, they need to be signed to long-term deals and get rid of the interim tags and they've lost the last two games. So I still think <laughs> they're amazing coaches. They need to be signed, but they are. Uh, sorry about that fault. one. So they probably walked into the office and be like, you know what? I need a long-term deal. People, people are crying for a long-term deal. I want a long-term deal. And they lost two in a row. You've lost all your negotiating leverage. I'm sorry. Uh, all right, last game on Sunday, New York at DC. Let's quickly go through. Pete went, I went, Pete went, I went. Pete, you're up. Unlucky, odd number of games. You have to get three and I get two. Go. I mean, I, I, I know both of these teams, I think, you know, so DC have won two in a row, so they're probably going to lose, right? Yeah, it feels but, like that, but, doesn't it? But, but New York has also won last week, so they're probably going to lose. Um you know, what does Scary I, Larry's is, computer say on this one? Yeah, Put I'm not up. sure. I mean, I mean, I feel like this is another one that I want to look at the roster before I make that decision because there's definitely some moving parts in 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 both of these teams. Um, you know, I think DC are getting a little bit more. You can see Threat and Paloma become a little bit more of a force as, as the season goes on, which I think is a function of them just working well together. Um, and yeah. I know I like like New York is New York reminds me a little bit of Seattle, which is sort of like they're they're really they're just really mentally tough, right? And so you know they lose um, Hollingshead, you know um, Harry Bennett comes in plays well, they just they just keep going. They've still got that really great line out. Yeah, I guess I, I would give New York the edge. I think he did he delete it already. I thought he had pulled up this week's uh, algorithm. Now I'm having a tough time. Oh, no, here it is. Um, he's saying, oh, it is like right down the middle. 49.8 for New York, 50.2. So it's like as close to even yeah. as you can get on the on the computer algorithm. All the other games have definitive um, winners. Uh, but this one is, is like, this will be the emotional one. Hinges on Jammer and Mungo. Do they play? If they do. OG at home. Mungo will not play unless he's recovering quicker than anticipated. He's probably got another two weeks with uh, some shoulder stuff. So, uh, yes, that is a tough one. New York at DC. New York at DC. Now, we had Rob on the show. I can't. I can't. I've got to go for DC. Okay. 
I'm going to, I'm trying to wheeze my way into that golf game, Pete. Yeah, I see that. I see that. He, he, he told us he's trying to get onto congressional as well. So, um, you know, it's hard not to, hard not to get that work. Hey, Paul Sheehy, make it happen, buddy. I'll pay, I'll, I'll pay for the half my flight. Half of your flight. If you fly me out, I'll get the return. And then I'll probably be broke because Robbo will probably take all my money. All right, let's talk a little bit of Eagles, Pete's 41-man roster. I mean, this could drag on for a while, so we'll keep it pretty short here. Um, roster was announced today. You can go online and, and take a look at it. Um, give me a player that you're happy to see in there and one you think's unlucky to miss out. Unlucky to miss out? That's a tough one. I mean, it's a it's a big roster, right? Yeah. So, um, so the, the big question is obviously availability, right? Like, who is there someone who wasn't available and they're not right. really going to be like, oh, they're unlucky, but they weren't available. So we unless we – usually they'll have like an unavailable list underneath, but I didn't see one this time. I'll, yeah, I'll go. I'll, I'll jump on it for you. I'll go first because that's a tough hand grenade for me to lob at you on the spot. Connor Mooneyham is, for me – one of the, the bright points of the season because number one draft pick comes with a lot of pressure. The first ever number one draft pick, he's exceeded expectations this year with Austin. I've been so impressed with Mooneyham. He gets a shot here in this squad to, to get his first cap uh, on the wing for the USA. Super proud of him, homegrown, you know, and just having a great year. My unlucky is a toss-up. I think Jason Dam out of Atlanta and Lance Williams out of Utah. Don't know on the availability if they weren't available. I thought those two probably should have been uh, in the conversation though. And if, if they, they must, I think I think Jason Dam for me was like the like the surprising, the surprising one. Lance Lance Williams, I think, is having a good season, but I don't think he's as um, he's been as um, impactful as Jason Dam. And and I wonder. So you know, this roster's 40, 41. 41, right? yeah. Um, like they're not going to be taking forty one to the UK. Um, they're going to try and respect the MLR team. So it's going to be like a much smaller roster. And I wonder, you know, I, I don't know if there's, you know, how how these conversations happened. Um, but the, you know, generally when you have these sorts of calls and, and you're an international coach, what you do is you talk to the general manager or the head coach or the director of rugby and you talk and they say, well, look, you know, this is a guy that we don't like, we, we really can't lose. Right. If we lose this gotcha. guy, it, it really affects our season. Now, the interesting thing about Jason Darm is that you would say, well, they've got Ross Deacon. Yeah. So, so, so it probably wasn't that. Um, but there's a, you know, a number of rugby ATL guys on this list. And, you know, I think that Gary Gold's going to be very sensitive about like not taking five, six starters from one team. Yep. I agree. And this is just, Again, me assuming that everyone was on the board for selection, which is not right. factual. So, uh, I, I, I mean, I mean, there are a couple of surprising selections for me. So, um, uh, Andrew um, Guerra, uh, no, yeah. I, I wasn't. You know, yeah. I'm like, I thought he was like South American. I thought he was like, I didn't realize that he he was American eligible. But he's been having a great season from I Chicago, mean, baby. Yeah, Notre he? Dame College, baby. Yeah, what I don't know, the Golden Eagles. That. Um, but he's been playing great and we can't have him. I mean, we've been talking about him playing for the US for the last couple of years. I think he's a phenomenal player. If you want an edge forward, so a guy that's going to play a little bit further out, who can catch, pass, run, 
um, Hadding, Hadding is the guy that, um, you know, is, is, uh, is, is someone to watch. So I'm really excited. I mean, I went through this list and it's so great now to be able to know all these guys, like 31 of these guys are MLR guys. We know them really well. Like we watch yeah. them play every week where before, you know, you, we, we would know some of the guys that played overseas, but the, you know, the other guys were playing club rugby and you, you wouldn't know them, right. You would be learning about them. And so thinking about which of these guys is going to really step up, I think is, is exciting. I'm, I'm with you with, with, um, with Mooney. I think that's, um, you know, that's a really, really exciting selection. Um, Mika Cruze, I think earned, earned his selection with his play. That's someone else that yeah. I think is, is exciting. I think he's definitely a, you know, I think that the problem with Mika right now is he's probably a center, but is he big enough to play center in the international game? Right. And, and, you know, there are other people like John Ryberg, again, another call up that, you, you know, has, has played well in the MLR for the last couple of years, but, John Ryberg's got to be partnered in that back three with a couple of kickers. Although he did have a really amazing kick the other day that went <laughs> like 80 meters and out for, you know, like his second kick ever in major league rugby. So really, really exciting players. Yeah, it is going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch and it'll be a great test too for the MLR effect. I mean, we're still, we're only yeah. year four in, but we're going to, that's a lot of professional domestic players picked and we'll see they're up against it they're, you know they're playing england and ireland who are both obviously line depleted but as always when you pick a line squad what happens pete players miss out they have a point to prove and they're going to go out there and prove it and uh, it's going to be up to you know garrett gold and his team to go out and face some motivated young players from england and ireland and also some experienced players who feel like they've been wronged by warren gatlin and they're going to be pretty pumped up to prove a point so makes for a, a very fun little uh summer there all right pete we're done that wraps us up buddy uh, I, I, I just want to say that like those weekends on um uh you know what is it july 4th and july 10th when yeah. when we have to watch mlr games and usa games and canada games on july 4th weekend i mean yeah that's what are you gonna, that's be? gonna be that's gonna be you're gonna rough. be you're gonna be on the the Coos light, the Bud Light, or the Miller Light that weekend. <laughs> so I have to say that one of the things that I think um, happens, you know, apparently when you turn fifty, is you become an alcoholic. I got so much liquor and wine for yeah. my birthday. I mean, it's just a good gift for a fifty-year-old, right? And so you just become sad, and people are trying to help you out. I think. I, no, I think that's probably it. Or the, <laughs> or, or maybe they're not really for me. Maybe they're really for Yvonne. <laughs> like it's the fiftieth birthday, and they're like. Like we're sorry, babes. Like his, his there you go. drown your sorrows. Don't worry, the finish line's getting closer for Pete. Just drink until he gets there, and then cash that life insurance policy. Bam! She's young enough to go again, Pete. Just she kidding. is. Love you, buddy. Sorry. All right, that wraps it up for Professor Pete Steinberg, our producer Aaron Castro. I'm Dan Power. This has been the MLR kickoff. Episode 91 of MLR Kickoff brought to you by shopmlr.com, powered by The Rugby Shop.